over 200,000 subscribers, 20 million views, and 175 videos. When I left the old future-owned Vector channel back in April, I figured it would take one to two years to build up a new one from scratch, especially in 2020. I never dreamed, I, I never thought we could do it in under nine months, and it's all because of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, on with 2021. Economic Daily News is out with a fresh report that just sideswipes its way into saying Apple may put an M-series chip into the iPad, presumably the next iPad Pro, and maybe even a 3-nanometer M-series chip, even more advanced than the current 5-nanometer M1, an M2, or an M3 maybe. So I'm just going to read through the report and give you my reactions to it, live, to video, and I'm going to do it right now. Sponsored by Skillshare. As TSMC sprinted for 3-nanometer deployment, it was reported that Apple was the first to contract 3-nanometer initial production capacity. And that is not at all surprising or new. We saw that with 5-nanometers. We saw that with 7-nanometers. Whenever Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation starts developing a new process, Apple is there to almost single-handedly fund that process, especially if they get first best sometimes, according to recent rumors, complete access to that process for a specified period of time, uh, which for Apple translates into all of their next generation products, like the iPhone XS and the 2018 iPad Pro were the first among the first devices to use the 7 nanometer process. And now the new iPad Air and, the, of course, the iPhone 12 are among the first to use the 5 nanometer process. So if TSMC is getting ready for three nanometer, it is very likely that Apple is funding a large portion of TSMC getting ready for that process. And according to the report, this will mainly be used to produce its own M-series processors for the new generation of Mac notebooks and iPad products. And that's really, really interesting because so far, Apple has used the name A-series for the chips they've been putting into the iPhone and the sort of mainstream iPads and then the AX series, or even more recently, the AZ series for the iPad Pro chips. The M series is what they have just debuted for the new Macs, the new M1 Mac Mini, MacBook Air, and MacBook Pro. So these are just marketing names. You know, they're the names Apple decides to call them. They called them the A series originally because they were their first Apple chips back in 2010 with the A4, and now M because they're their first Mac chips with the M1 in 2020. Apple can call them anything that they want to call them, but the M series does include a few things the A series does not. Some of those things are very Mac specific, things like the virtual machine acceleration and what Apple is doing to make x86 uh, Intel Mac apps run as fast as inhumanly possible on the M1 series chips. But other things like the onboard Thunderbolt controllers I think would be really, really interesting, especially to iPad Pro customers who want best of breed uh, connections on the iPad Pro. I mean, we got USB-C on the iPad Pro back in 2018, and we've just gotten it on the iPad Air now in 2020, albeit not as fast as the version on the iPad Pro. But just shifting that into higher gear, going with USB 4, which subsets uh, Thunderbolt 3 into the USB-C connector would just take the iPad Pro to that next level. And using a design that Apple's already leveraging for the Macs could make a lot of sense for the next generation iPads Pro. But more on that in a second. 
TSMC plans to complete certification and trial production of 3 nanometers next year and mass production for 2022. And that also makes sense because it has taken about two years for TSMC to do these process generations. We got 7 nanometers again with the iPhone XS back in 2018, and then we got 5 nanometer with the iPhone 12 in 2020. So maintaining 5 nanometers for the iPhone 13 in 2021 and then shifting to 3 nanometers in 2022, it not only makes the kind of sense that does, but it keeps the kind of schedule that does, which I'll just point out is in stark contrast to what Intel has been able to do with their process nodes over the last few many painful, frustrating years. Now it has become a sensation before it shows up. Apple has taken the lead in capacity, allowing TSMC's advanced manufacturing process to once again win over Samsung. And that's not entirely clear to me. I think, objectively speaking, TSMC just has a better process than Samsung. Samsung's process is kind of, sort of, at the same nanometer scale, but I think All of these are just marketing terms. There is no standard. There is no agreed upon commonality as to what defines 10 nanometer or 7 nanometer or 5 nanometer. There's no one taking objective measurements of these things. They're just completely marketing names. And so sometimes different nanometer scales or what people use as the names for different nanometer processes are roughly analogous. Like I believe 10 nanometers on Intel was analogous to 7 nanometers on TSMC. But what Samsung is fielding uh, as 8 nanometers and 5 nanometers, my understanding is it's just not competitive with TSMC, which is why companies like NVIDIA uh, for their Ampere boards or Qualcomm for their X60 modems uh, being forced to use Samsung's process They just won't quite get the results that Apple is seeing with TSMC. In response to the huge replacement wave, it was reported that Apple took the lead in contracting TSMC's initial 3 nanometer production capacity, becoming the first batch of TSMC's 3 nanometer customers. Again, no surprise there. Apple will use TSMC's 3 nanometers to produce its own M-series chips for Mac and iPad. Apple has succeeded just incredibly well by doing what they call a scalable architecture, And so the advantage Apple has over merchant silicon companies is that they don't have to deal with a bunch of different customers. They only have one customer, Apple. But the danger in having too many products on Apple Silicon is that each of those products becomes a customer. And then Apple is sort of uh, left trying to weigh the relative needs and priorities of those different customers. So to avoid that, to avoid the trap of becoming an internal merchant silicon vendor, Apple has been doing the scalable architecture where the exact same A14 processor, for example, goes in the iPad that goes in the iPhone 12. And the iPad may hit something like the graphics cores more heavily because of the type of apps that are running on the iPad. And the iPhone may hit the image signal processor more heavily because of the types of camera work that is done on the iPhone. They're both still addressing the exact same silicon architecture and chipset. And that is just way more efficient, even with the S6 system and package that Apple is putting into the Apple Watch 6, it's reusing the core architecture from the A13. So Apple is not having to maintain two separate sets of IP. They're just moving these things down the stack. And when it came to M1 for the Mac, Apple took what would have been an A14X, a chip they haven't shipped yet, but basically took the A14 added the two extra performance cores to it, 
the four extra graphics cores, and then that Mac-specific IP, the things like the virtualization acceleration, the x86 uh, translation acceleration, and the Thunderbolt controllers, that kind of stuff, and added that to what would have been an A14X. But that also means that Apple could easily take uh, an M1 chip, for example, and put that into the next iPad Pro instead of making uh, an A14X, instead of having to produce two very similar but slightly different chipsets, they could just produce that single chipset and use it in both devices. Now, maybe that isn't the ideal solution. Maybe the M1 is really built for the thermal capacity of a MacBook Air, a MacBook Pro, and it wouldn't do well in the much smaller space of an iPad. It just wouldn't have enough thermal envelope to achieve the performance over time, the sustained performance that Apple wants for it. So maybe an A14X would just be a smaller, cooler chip. But otherwise, just having that extra IP, again, like the image signal processor in the iPads, they don't have to hit it. They don't have to use it. And it could be more efficient to just make that one chip and use it in both devices, like using just that one A14 in the iPhone and iPad. The advanced process will also be used to produce A-series processors for the iPhone, So presumably not an A15, but an A16, JAWS or Cayenne or Suruji or somebody would come out and say world's first three nanometer chipset on mobile or on a consumer product. So will Apple continue to use the AX series for iPads or will they shift to the M series? Again, it's just what's in a name. Apple can use either chip. The architecture is so similar and the performance efficiency would be so similar It's really just whether they want to call it A14X or A15X, or they want to call it M1 or M2 when they announce the new iPad with it. Either way, it'll be the exact same silicon package inside the device, giving the capabilities Apple wants to give for that device. And yeah, it'll be a while still before we get either of those things, any of those things. So hit the subscribe button and bell so you don't miss any updates. And while you're waiting, you should totally take the time to learn how to make videos like this on your own. Seriously, you don't even need anything. Well, not anything more than your own creativity. No cameras, no lights, no studio, no animation, no nothing. Just 100% found footage. That's exactly what Penny Lane teaches in her Skillshare course. See, Penny never cared for cameras. She doesn't like them. So she chose to transform existing content, historical content, stock footage, existing videos into new really innovative works, irreverent works. And she's won awards doing just that. And you can totally do that too. Or if you are into cameras, you can check out Christopher Rowe's class, Video on a Budget, because that's the real power of Skillshare. It isn't just one class, even several classes. It's an online learning community that offers membership with meaning and with an annual subscription that's less than $10 a month. You can learn illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, more with real projects to create and the support of real fellow creatives. More than 7 million of us learning with Skillshare. And the first 1,000 of you who click the link in the description will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium. Yeah, free. So act now and start learning today. And clicking on that link just really helps out this channel. For more, much more on M1 and all of Apple's upcoming products, click the playlist above. I go over all the rumors, all the features, all the analysis. Just click the link and I'll see you in the next video.